Has the Lord been good to anybody today? Why don't we just give him a hand clap of praise? He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. While you're turning there, I uh, want to take a moment and just say uh, welcome to Brother and Sister Tapia. They know they were with us a few weeks ago, and then they've uh, been traveling about. Uh, but um, Brother and Sister Tapia are going to be with us for a few weeks. They are kind of in a transition mode and uh, are taking a little time off, and uh, they could have chose a lot of places to go to, and I'm glad they chose to come to Frankfurt, and I'm glad they, I know, I know they have family here, but um, just because they're here visiting family doesn't mean that they had to choose to come here to Christian Life Church, and we don't take that lightly, and we appreciate their confidence, and uh, we look forward to hearing from them very soon, and um, we want them to be as involved. I told him when he told me they were coming here, I want them to be as involved as they want to be during their transition time. And uh, we know it's not a permanent thing, but uh, the Lord knows exactly what he's doing. And um, we, are, we are so, so very blessed. Uh, it's just, um, I, I, I looked, I was at camp this week and I looked on the front row of camp, and it wasn't just our young people, but we had a whole row starting on this side and just lined up with young men, and I thought, I don't remember that when I was their age. I don't remember having that many young men on fire for God ready to charge hell with a water pistol. Uh, they were... And I looked, and right across the front, there were some of our, some of our moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and families. I just appreciate this church so very much, and not taking a back seat and being timid and shy, but saying we believe God's able to do anything, and wanting to be right in the action of where it's all happening. Amen. First Samuel chapter fourteen. I'm going to read from. I'm going to begin actually in the fourth chapter, and I'm just going to relay a little bit of a story. Why don't you be seated? You, you don't have to stand. Uh, I don't want to be too overly formal this morning. Um, I want to take this fourth chapter and just kind of summarize. Thank you, Dylan. I, I'm not going to sing this morning. I know I threw Dylan off last week. He had no earthly idea that I was going to sing, and I just broke out, and I broke out in the wrong key. But uh, he's, he's uh, holding fast this morning. Uh, in the fourth chapter of 1 Samuel, there is an interesting story of the Philistines coming uh, against the people of God. And there was an attack made, and in the attack, there were two very important men in Scripture that we read about. They were the sons of uh, Eli, the priest, by the name of Hophni and Phinehas. And of course, Phinehas has a wife, and the wife is with child. And in that fourth chapter, uh, we read that Hophni and Phinehas were slain by the Philistines. 
And when word came to Eli that the priest, that Hophni and Phinehas had been slain, uh, Eli fell backwards and he died. Now, the, the, the wife of Phinehas is with child. She has now just received word that her brother-in-law, her husband, and now her father-in-law had been slain. And, of course, the stress and all of the things that happened uh, emotionally threw her into uh, perhaps premature or unexpected labor. And Phineas's wife brought forth a child, and the childbirth undoubtedly was one that was very grievous, and the son was born. And when the son was born, uh, the son, uh, the son was born and 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 came forth healthy. And the midwives began to speak, and they tell Phineas's wife, "You you have a man child," and she would not speak nor regard them for a space of time. And when she spoke, uh, she of course, named the child, and the naming of the child was uh, very important because of the events that had happened in their life. And she named the child Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. Because the Ark of the Covenant had been taken away. Now we pick back up in 1 Samuel the 14th chapter. And we read now, uh, It came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young men that bear his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father, and Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree which is in Migron. And the people were with him about 600 men. Now, verse 3, I want you to pay very close attention to. Uh, and Ahiah, the son of Ahiatub, Ichabod's brother the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. But I want to borrow from this little piece of information here that I find very interesting because we see here that um, Ahiah, the son of Ahiatub, Ichabod's brother. And I want to try to draw some parallels that will help and strengthen the church this morning and feel that the Lord has spoken to me. And I just want to minister to you for a little while today by the help of the Lord. And we'll see how this is going to end up. And I don't say that in a false sense of humility today. 
uh, when, if you were here Wednesday night uh, before last, you know that I said a lot of times I make that statement, but I really know where I'm going. Well, this morning we may not really know where we're going. All right, we're just going to see what the Lord has in store for us. Uh, if, I, if I was to title this this morning, I would just simply uh, perhaps ask a question, and it may come across a bit comical, but if you lived in the Jordan household, you may understand it better. But I got a feeling that probably it fits in most cases. But uh, I'm just going to have you, uh, I'm just going to have you think on this thought this morning just for a moment. What did you say about my brother? What did you say about my brother? Turn to your neighbor and ask him, what did you say about my brother? The history, the history of Israel is replete with stories of victory, stories of overcoming overwhelming odds, mighty miracles, supernatural happenings that God did for them. There were mighty miracles, supernatural uh, things. Uh, you don't have to read very deep into your Bible and don't have to go very far to see what God can do and what God did for His people. If you read very far into it, you'll find stories of Red Sea partings and city walls like Jericho crumbling, giants like Goliath falling, things like the sun standing still, thousands of Philistines being slain with a jawbone of a donkey. Um, and those are just a few. Their, their God was a powerful God, a mighty God. He was an unlimited God. He was awesome. He was a marvelous, a powerful God. But what I come to preach about today is that what the Lord did back then, He can continue to do today. He's still an awesome God. He's still a powerful God. He is still an unlimited God. He can still heal cancer. He can still turn lives around. He can still take what's wrong and make it right because he is an unlimited God. And I, and I want to come this morning just to say, uh, just to preface the remarks I'm going to make today, I, 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 I know as a pastor I have to listen to everybody, but I don't enjoy listening to negativity. Uh, if somebody has a sad story to tell, I, uh, I would prefer they, them either keep it to themselves or find somebody else to tell it to because uh, I, I want to hear the awesome testimonies about what God is doing, about His power, about His miracle-working power, about His saving power, about His grace, about His mercy. I want to hear something good and something positive because God is good. And God is positive, and everything about God is good, and everything about God is positive. And, 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 and I know that throughout this congregation, we have some folks that truly understand the delivering power and the delivering hand of the Lord. I know it may seem accidental, and I didn't know that my wife was going to share the story or the piece of story this morning uh, about Steve, and I, and I echo her remarks this morning, but I don't think it's accidental that the Lord sent Spencer uh, into Steve's path and that uh, they crossed and that Steve allowed Spencer to give him a Bible study and that he was baptized and, and that he received the Holy Ghost and that then just all of a sudden God opens a door for him to get a place to stay and then he opens a door for him to get a job. And I told Steve this morning, he said, I've been four days. I said, stay faithful to it. 
and stay with it. God will continue to bless you according to what you are willing to do on your end. So, uh, but, but I don't think these things are accidental. I see God blessing and working in so many lives. We, uh, sometimes we need preaching to remind us of how good God is. We need singing to remind us of how good God is. Uh, not all the stories in the Bible, though, are so positive, and not all are so upbeat. The sad thing is, is even for God's people, there were times that things didn't always turn out so well. There were times in the Bible of God's people that, that, that things didn't turn out the way they wanted them to. Uh, even for God's chosen people, Israel, there were some very low times. There were some bad times. There were times of discouragement. There were times of failure. There were times of distrust. There were times of heartache. There were times that they brought things on themselves. There were times that things were brought on them by others. And there were times that things were brought on them by God himself. He chose to buffet them. Occasionally, uh, in those moments, everybody needs a good brother or sister in the Lord to come along to speak an encouraging word. Everybody needs somebody once in a while to come along and speak an encouraging word. I cannot tell you what it means sometimes at the right moment and in the right time for an encouraging word to come along and for somebody to say, hey, I believe in you. I trust you. I'm, I'm on your side. We're going to work this thing together. We're going to build together. We're going to pray together. We're going to war together. We're going to stick together. These are encouraging things, and, and I'm going to tell you today that every child of God is going to go through low times. Every church will go through low times. Everybody's going to have their moments. Every individual, every body will go through a valley or two or ten or a hundred. Every ministry will eventually, sooner or later, go through some hard times. Every marriage is going to go through some hard times. Nobody's going to help me preach now. Everybody's going to go through some hard times. That's why we need people of faith. You see, people of faith need to be very careful because sometimes your, your demeanor or your word, and you may not even mean anything by it, but that's just why we have to be careful because sometimes we, can, we don't know what a brother's going through or a sister is going through, and that's why that we need a brother or a sister to lift us up, encourage us, because you don't know what they are going through. I'm going to tell you that everybody's going to go through hard times. Sooner or later, every person is going to face a difficulty in their life. And that's why we need people of faith that will say to their brother... Uh, be encouraged today. God is going to be with you. That's why no matter how well things seem to be going for somebody, you see somebody has, some folks handle their struggles better than others. Some folks take their struggle uh, public. They take it to social media. They, they, they put the outlet. You know, they, some folks you meet them, and when you meet them, you can just tell by their demeanor something's wrong today. 
Their spirit manifested. Their, the, the expression on their face tells you they're going through a hard time. They're going through. And then at the same time, there's other people. I, I, I've said to some folks, if you wouldn't have told me what you're going through and what you've been through the last year, the last couple of years, or the last month, I, we would have had no earthly idea, no way of knowing because you handle that difficulty so very well. Thank God for people who will, will just choose to say, I, it doesn't matter if I think that they've got the world uh, in, in a basket and in, 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 their, in, in their arms and everything is going perfect. Uh, I'm going to speak an encouraging word to a brother. Because negativity never helped anybody. It never, it never strengthened anybody. When we're going through a valley, we need a good brother or sister to come along. We're, uh, we, we, that, that just say we're going to endure some things together. We're going to pray through this together. I'm going to be fighting with you. We're going to worship God through this valley together. Uh, we're, we're going to get through this together. We're going to climb this mountain together. Uh, we're going to shout together in bad times just like we did when we were having revival. I, I don't see it like I used to, but as a kid growing up, I remember seeing some elders that had some friends in the church and they would know they were going through something. And instead of just letting them sit with arms folded, they would go to them and say, come on with me, we're going to the front together. You know, that still ought to be all right in an apostolic church. For somebody to say, come on, we're going to go worship God together. I don't feel like it. Good, come on, we're going to worship until you feel like it. And, and, and so it was in the days of Ichabod, in the day that Ichabod was born. It was such a low time for Israel. The, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken away, and God's people were, were now without the glory of God. Hophni and Phinehas, who were leaders in Israel, the two sons of the high priest, had been slain in a battle with the Philistines. And Eli, the high priest, had now fallen over dead in his grief when he heard the news of the welfare of the ark and of his sons. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Bible tells us that the wife of Phinehas was with child. And when she heard the tidings of the ark of, of God and that it was taken and her father-in-law and her husband had died, she bowed herself and pains came upon her, the Bible said. And undoubtedly the grief and all of the stress and all of the emotional turmoil brought on the labor process. And the scripture says that the women that stood by her and comforted her, the midwives, uh, said, you brought forth a man child, but she didn't regard them nor respond to them. But the story goes on to say that she named the child Ichabod for the glory of God had departed. The word Ichabod simply means the glory has departed. Now I want you to recognize and notice here that God never said the glory had departed. A prophet of God never said the glory is departed. It wasn't God. It wasn't a man of God. It wasn't a spiritual leader who said the glory of God is departed. But it was the mindset of the wife of Phineas. She named the child Ichabod. The glory has departed because what was going on at that time in her life caused her to place a name upon a child that was going to bear the 
name of her present circumstance throughout his entire lifetime because her husband had died and her brother-in-law had died and her father-in-law had died and the ark had been taken and it seemed like they were at a place of no hope and no help and certainly no glory and the Bible reads that she said the glory of God is departed. Phineas allowed what had happened to her and in her life to cause her to name a baby Ichabod the glory of God has departed. Now that name was going to stick with that child for the rest of his life. Stories would be told about how bad it was back then. When things got better, Ichabod would walk in a room and things would go silent. Ichabod would never outlive the name that his mother had given him. When people come to, to peek into the crib and to look at this sweet baby boy laying there in the crib, they would look in, but when they looked looked up and saw the name tag on the head of the bassinet, they would be reminded, oh, the glory of God has departed. He would try to grow up and he would go to school, but when he walked in the room, the room would go strangely silent because he would bear a name that identified him with the glory of God departed. And if he wasn't careful, he would now begin to bear within himself. He would begin to bear the burden and maybe even feel Maybe it's my fault that the glory of God has departed. Maybe the, the burden is laid upon my shoulders that my father and my uncle and my grandpa all died at one time. Maybe, maybe it's my fault and thus I bear within my name the, the, the departing of the glory of God. Maybe it's my fault that the ark of the covenant is gone. And when people would come around him, they would be reminded the glory has departed. He would bear it. He would bear the name. You see, why is this important? Because the glory is what separated the Israelites from all of the other people around them. It was the glory of God that separated the Israelites from, from all of the otherites. The glory of God separated them it made them different. Do you know what made them stand out from the people that was around them? Do you know what separated them from the Amorites and the Heatites? It was the glory. They all had religion, but Israel had the glory. The Moabites and the Jebusites and the Ammonites all had temples. The Edomites, and the, they had deities and idols, and they all had altars. But what was missing was that none of them had the glory, but Israel had the glory and the glory now had departed do you know what we need in these last days people of God it's not fancier buildings thank God for the building we're building but it's not a fancier building that we need what we need is the glory as a matter of fact God send revival and a harvest of souls but it's not even a larger church that we need it's the glory of God 
It's not a better sound system, better air conditioning system, gold-plated chandeliers. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. It's not a better preacher we need. It's the glory of God. It's not a better music music team that we need. It's the glory of God. We need the glory of God. It's what separates us from everybody else. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. You know what separates this church from all the other denominations? It's the glory of God. Separation is about glory. I know some of you think that separation is all about how we dress, but it's far from that. Separation is about the glory of God. Nothing else will do. Good music won't do it. Programs won't get the job done. Religion is not enough. And another building is not the answer. There's a lot of churches, a lot of beliefs, but they all lack the glory. We need the glory. If we miss everything else, God send the glory. Somebody sent me a text message this week, said, Pastor, we need to return to prayer. Last week, three or four people sent me text messages, Pastor, we need to return to prayer. This week, we're going to return to prayer. I know we have camp meeting going on, but we're returning this week to prayer. We're going to find our time to pray. Tonight, we're going to challenge you to to choose some times to pray. We're going to be praying this week. We're going to be fasting this week. We're going to believe in that God is going to do great things this week. Listen, we've got to have the glory. We can't live without the glory. We must have the glory. Maybe I failed to say this because about half the train isn't connected to what I'm preaching about this morning. But the word glory means physical manifestation of God. What we need is not another light show. What we need is a physical manifestation of God in our midst. Let God show up and raise somebody from the dead. And we know it was Him. Let God show up and heal cancer. And we know it was Him. It's not about the preacher, the singer. It's not about the greeters or the ushers or the parking lot team. It's about the glory, the physical manifestation of God. I don't know about you, that's why I'm here this morning. It's all right with me if a, if a physical manifestation of God shows up while I'm preaching this morning and walks into this place and heals somebody or saves somebody. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Go ahead, take a little time. Dagon had an image in a temple, but he didn't have glory. Baal had devoted prophets, but they would even cut themselves, but they had no glory. Bolak had outstretched hands to receive little children that they would sacrifice in the false flames of the altar, but they still had no glory. The golden calf had people who would dance and sacrifice, but it lacked the glory. Athena was the goddess of wisdom, but there was no glory. Aphrodite was the goddess of beauty, but there was no glory. Apollo offered music and healing, but there was no glory. Ares offered war and victory, but there was no glory. I want the church to understand today that we're not even needing more church. We need more glory. You know why? Because I don't even have to be in church to have glory. I can be driving down the road and have the glory. Glory. 
I, I can be sick in my bed and have the glory. I can be all by myself and have the glory. We need the glory of God. We need a physical manifestation of God to show up in our midst. I want more than a church, more than music, more than a new building, more than a good platform and a crowd. I want the glory. I want the glory. Thank God for truth preaching because I believe it's truth preaching that brings the glory. I want more than just form and fashion. I want an indisputable move of God. Several places in the Bible, it records that the glory of God appeared unto them. To Abraham in Mesopotamia, the glory of God appeared unto him. To Moses on Mount Sinai, the glory of God appeared unto him. When Stephen was being stoned, the glory of God appeared. Uh, the, the twelve spies were sent out. The ten were being the, the, the ten were being stoned, and the glory of God appeared. Imagine what it meant to an Israelite for them to say, "The glory of God." is departed. It would mean as much to them as it does an on-fire apostolic saying the glory of God's departed. Imagine what it would meant to Israel to say, Ichabod, the glory of God has departed. Imagine what it would mean to say that but imagine what it meant to be named that. A constant reminder, the glory has departed. See, things happen to us, happen in our lives, and we don't want nobody to know about it. That way we can find fault with everybody else. But we don't have to talk about our past. Because as long as nobody knows, everybody thinks we're all all right. Because me and you both know, and I included myself here, that I don't want God to expose everything in my life. I don't want, I don't want you to know. You know a lot about me, but I don't want you to know everything about me. Because there's some things that I don't want God to expose, and you don't want God to expose. Everybody's got some things that they don't want God to expose in their life. We all have some things. If we could just keep this covered up, we could just keep it. We love to cry Ichabod over somebody else. We love to speak Ichabod over somebody else. We like to point out somebody else's failure, somebody else's faults because it makes us look better. We like to talk about somebody else's moral failure. We like to talk about somebody else's drug problem. We like to talk about somebody else's family when it fell apart. We like to talk about somebody else's divorce and somebody else's... It's all right as long as it's in another address, but when it comes to our house, let's keep, this, let's keep this right here. Let's keep this between me and you, and let's not let this, because we don't want anybody else to know. But when mama looks at a son that has just been born and said, Ichabod, nobody wants to be named Ichabod. The glory has departed. You understand what that means for an Israelite to be named Ichabod? It was the assessment of that generation 
The glory has departed. An entire generation was marked by one lady's assessment because of what she had been through and was going through. Undoubtedly, the glory is departed. There's not much worse than a person who is not where they need to be in God, that is not prayed up, that is not on fire for God, that isn't winning a soul, that isn't doing a work for God, that to, to then define the church. Nothing more pathetic than somebody. Uh, can I just be real with you this morning? If a backslider starts trashing the church, expect it. Hello. I thought y'all gave me permission to preach this morning. You want to limit the pulpit? I, I can, we can just all go to McDonald's. Can I go ahead and preach this morning? Her assessment was because of what she was going through. If you're assessing the church from a point of view of what you were going through, you are wrongly assessing the church. Well, it's not real life. It may not be your real life, but you need to start assessing God's church by, by what God is doing in the church. How many people are being baptized? How many are getting the Holy Ghost? How many souls are being saved? How many people are being discipled? How many people are being sent out? How many missionaries are we, give, are we giving to? How many evangelists are we promoting? Hey, what are we able to do for the kingdom of God? Let's talk about what, what lives are being changed. The negative assessment of one person who was going through a problem marked a boy for his lifetime. But what the world, I had never heard this preach. This is original to me. I'm sure that it's not original because there's nothing new under the sun. I haven't heard a conference preacher preach this. I haven't heard this come from anybody. This was original to me. I have shared this with several people. I've shared this concept and this thought with several people that have taken it and used it with my permission. I am sure that you Bible scholars here already knew this and understood this. But what it appears that for 10 chapters... What was failed to be recognized was that growing up in the same house with Ichabod was another son. His name, his name was Ahiatub. But nobody knows much about him because Ichabod stole all the attention. I may go ahead and preach a while. Ichabod stole all the attention because negative news. Did anyone even notice that in the same house, growing up eating at the same table, was another boy? Ahiatub was Ichabod's brother. Ahiatub. It's his name simply means 
brother of goodness. I can see it. Oh, I wish I could preach this like I feel it. You young preachers in the house, get the best education you can. Expand your vocabulary every way you can. Because right now at this moment, I need, I, I need way more ability than what I feel that I have right now. Because I need to communicate what the Lord lay on my heart to this congregation this morning. Every time Ichabod walked in a room and the world was reminded, ooh. There's Ichabod, the glory departed. <laughs> In runs his little brother. What did you say about my brother? Oh, we didn't say anything. Yes, you did. You thought it when he walked in the room. You looked at him and said, Ichabod, the glory has departed. But I came to announce something else to you. Because the scholars say Ahiatub was born after Ichabod. Ahiatub runs in the room. He looks around. He says, my brother is goodness. My mama said something else about my brother. But I want to tell you what I think about my brother. My brother is goodness. My brother is goodness. I don't know who you think may be sleeping down the hall from you or who may be sitting across the aisle from you. But if this church would get a hold of what I'm preaching right now and you would get something in your spirit to begin to say, I don't care what the world wants to say about my brother. I know who my brother is. I know who my sister is. They are goodness. They are goodness. They are goodness. You want to keep declaring the glory's departed. Everything's wrong. Look at all the faults and failures. I wish there would be four or five high tubs in the room run in like a little bratty brother and say, what'd you say about my church? What'd you say about my brother? You can dwell on the negative all you want to. But I came this morning to tell you, you can find all the fault you want, but I'm going to find goodness in my brother. I know not everybody's as perfect as some of us, but if we can find one good thing, you need to start you need to start promoting the good thing. I see something good in them. I know they failed 25 times, but I see something good. I know they don't always act right, but I see something good. I know what the world says about them, but I see something good. Come on, let's stand this morning. I refuse to allow what happens around me to cause me to identify my brother. <laughs> In a negative manner. I refuse to identify my brother. Out of the heart of what I'm going through. 
I choose to get up today and find something good. And every time I hear a negative word about my brother, I want to run in the room just as a reminder. Do you know what kind of house I was raised up in? Because my daddy died too. Because my uncle died too. Because my grandpa died too. Because I've been through everything Ichabod has been through. But I'm going to handle it different. Listen, you may think you're the only one that's ever been through a divorce, but there's somebody sitting down the aisle that's been through one. You, you think you're the only person that's been abused? There's about, about a 40% chance in this room somebody sitting on the aisle with you has been abused as well. You've been walked away from, you've been abandoned, and you start feeling sorry for yourself and identifying everything and everybody around you. You think you're the only one that can't sleep. You think you're the only one that get at frets over life. You're not by yourself. There's a higher tub down the hall but he chooses to come in and identify something good in you. Don't let the world declare Ichabod over you. Let a higher tub identify you. His name's not Ichabod. My brother is goodness. Come on somebody. Take a moment. Reach over to a brother. Lay hands on him and pray over him right now. Reach over to a sister. Lay hands on them. Pray over them right now. Brother Corey, if you give me just a little bit of monitor. I can't hear myself over these guys. I don't, don't hurt them. Just a little more monitor here. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you, if you didn't step across the aisle, I want you to respond to what pastor's asking you to do this morning. I know I preached a while. Step out from where you are. I, just come on, let's everybody get in the aisles this morning. Let's just everybody get in the aisles. Come forward, whatever you got to do. Brother to brother, sister to sister, let's go to somebody this morning. Let's go to somebody this morning. I want you to lay hands on them. I want you to begin to, to speak life over them. I want you to begin to speak goodness over them. It doesn't matter what you've heard about them, what somebody said. The blood of Jesus saved you, and it'll save them. Come on, this is not a moment to be shy. Step across the aisle. Step, step over to somebody. I want you to take them by the hand. Lay a hand on their shoulder, whatever you got to do. I want you to connect together. It doesn't matter what the world is saying. It doesn't matter what the world is saying. Come on, speak goodness over them. Speak goodness over them. Let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Everything changes. Everything changes when your kingdom comes. Let your
Come on, pray. Pray like you're praying for your own self. Pray a prayer of blessing. Oh, 